how do we measure success? What is success? New churches are very effective and fruitful in doing gospel ministry. And a new person coming in will automatically feel like an outsider when you realize that there is these close family relationships. So much of this is related to intentionality. Welcome to The Lutheran Church Planter, a podcast exploring the theology, philosophy, and practice of planting new Lutheran congregations. I'm your host, Andy Coyle, Church Planter and Director of Home Missions for the Association of Free Lutheran Congregations, joined by my co-host and fellow Church Planter, Matthew Ballman. And this is our third episode, and uh, some of the goals that we had for this podcast were to help our planters, our new congregations, just to help them cast vision for the need and opportunity of church planting. And that, that's really, I guess, beyond just church planters. But for our broader church family, our goal is to help train planters and train congregations towards ministry within planting and really just to encourage. We want to encourage planters because church planting is hard. It's a lot of work. And we want to encourage small groups that are endeavoring in this, right? And we hope that in everything that we do, it is going to be a help to all of our people, whether they are lay people or clergy, whether they are in a mature congregation or a new congregation. So that's really our heart behind this podcast is really to be a blessing, a training, encouragement, and all of those things. Our first two episodes were on why plant new congregations, and we talked about the first in the first episode the gospel. How the gospel then is the heart of God. It is to it is to reach new people. It is to transform them. That is the heart of God, and He has given us that call to do that. I encourage you to go back and listen to that episode. And then the second episode was in how he does that. And we talked about the church and how the church, the local congregation, is really the means in which God then seeks to bring that gospel into people's lives. And we talked more about that as well. Uh, today, we're going we're gonna to dive into another reason. It's less theological and more practical. Oftentimes, you hear Within church planting, uh, you read books or you hear people talk about it that the church in America is in massive problems, right? It's falling apart. There many, many churches are closing and population growth is staggering and we're not keeping up with that. And, and so therefore we need to plant congregations because of that. It's purely pragmatic. And I think those numbers are good to pay attention to. We do need to be aware of just how rapidly our population is growing and we do need to be, need to be aware of that we do need more congregations, but I would, I think, not make that as our primary reason. I think we've already covered the reasons why. However, there is something to that, though. There is something to uh, why we want more congregations, because we we do have massive needs in our, in our society and our culture. And so that's going to really lead into this third aspect here, which is practical, it's pragmatic, and is sort of centering around the idea of why plant new congregations, because they are fruitful. Or you, sometimes you could say the word effective. And I know maybe some of you might bristle at some of that language, but we just want to kind of create a case today for, for the reality that new churches are very effective and fruitful in doing gospel ministry. So Matt, talk a little bit about that and may, maybe even talk a little bit about that relationship between you know, mature congregations and new congregations and just start that conversation about the pros and the weaknesses and those types of things. Yeah, often we hear the question, uh, I, I still remember when we were praying about planting a church and we had uh, been led to that and the church that we were at was um, sending us and they had been praying through that and we had this great, you know, kind of season of discernment and I had received a call from a church and um, I called them back and said, uh, you know, we're going to be the Lord's uh, sending us to plant a church and we've been commissioned to this and 
And the, the person on the other end was really, really uh, offended. They actually came across quite upset and they said, why would you be doing church planning um, instead of revitalization? And that was kind of their perspective on it, right? And I think we hear this often is it's it feels like we can have this pitting of church, planning new churches, yeah. planning new congregations versus revitalizing uh, congregations, mature congregations, older congregations. And we're gonna say, well, man, those are, they don't have to be pitted against one another. It should be a both and, it's not sure. an either or, but we wanna be doing both of these because we do think there are amazing strengths, right? To established, older, established, mature congregations, but there's also a whole bunch of things that new churches can achieve and accomplish that maybe established churches can't um, as well. So it's a both and always, and we want to we want to talk about that. You know, I, I think, man, just some of the pros of healthy existing churches th that they have, and this can be often missed. And when you're a new church plant, you actually see this; it becomes really obvious to you. Yeah, for sure. All the all the pros, right, mm -hmm. of an established church and what they have going for them. But when you're when you're in it. Maybe if you're a pastor serving in an established church or you're a congregant in an established church, you can say, well, um, you know, I wish we were a plant or I wish we could do some of those things that a church plant can do. But here's the thing. You have incredible kind of like super strengths, if you will, in your setting that God is using and wants to use and is calling you to use in a faithful uh, way, healthy way. And again, there's unhealthy churches. Of course, we can talk about that. But here, here are just like, okay, one just off the top of my head that, that comes what are some of the the pros of being at an existing mature church? Man, one of those right off the bat is you have a reputation of trust in the community. Now that could cut the other way, but often it's you are a trusted known entity. You are a church that has been there maybe for 20 years, 50 years, 100 years, you know, in some cases 175 years, right? An established track record in the community of people seeing you show up day in and day out, loving their neighbors, serving their neighbors. They're not just a fly-by of the night, pop-up tent, um, here today, gone tomorrow, but they have this incredible track record. And that's a beautiful thing. Plants don't have that. That you existing churches, you have that. Yeah, for sure. I was just thinking about that as regarding plants. I mean, that's one of your great goals is you want to have that established trust. You want people to to drive by or see your signs and say, yeah, I, I know that group and I, I trust them. And uh, yeah. As we talk about plants in that way, I think that is a huge goal that all plants want. They want to have that built-in trust. They want to have uh, just people driving by and saying, "Yeah, I know, I know them. I know who that is." And and there's a built-in credibility there that that we long for, and that established mature churches have. So we're really thankful for that. Uh, another one is is just resources. This is kind of a Captain Obvious one, right? Uh, mature churches that are you know healthy and have been around for a long time. Over those years, they've acquired a lot of assets, you know, whether they're people assets and gifting assets, but let's think of financial aspects. Let's think of facilities. I mean, church plants spend years set up, take down, mm. set up and take down. And there's just such a, uh, a strain on that, that you don't have a facility that you can do a lot of ministries with. And so that is a massive advantage in mm -hmm. just in normal ministry life that mature churches have that just plants don't have. Yeah, yeah. And again, people can often say, oh, our, our building's old and broken down, or maybe it feels outdated, but it can cut both ways on that. Like, I, again, as a plant, we are very limited because we rent a space for five hours on a Sunday morning. That's the only time we have access to it. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to special meetings, when it comes to me even pastorally meeting with people, right. 
it's very difficult. I don't have an office, you know, that's kind of in a public space. So we got to go to coffee shops. And it's very hard when someone's kind of in tears or sharing something very sensitive and you're in the middle of a coffee shop with music blaring and all these people sitting, you know, two feet away from you. Uh, it, it's difficult. You got to get very creative um, when it when it comes to that. I mean, you kind of imagine, do you imagine like a doctor not having a hospital or not having a doctor office and trying to care for his patients? Like it just kind of awkward, right? And so it's easy for established churches to underestimate the gifts that the Lord has given to them and then leverage those for, you know, the ministry that God's called them to. I think also, and this is really connected to that, but it's established churches are able to offer a much generally uh, a broader, like they have broader ministry capabilities. So they can, they can um, maybe offer more diversity of small groups or Sunday school programs. Um, they can minister to a, a greater cross-section of the population that often church plants aren't as able to do. In part, they don't have those resources or the people or the space to do that. So you're kind of stuck, you know, with what you have, and then you you work with what you have. So that, that ties to, to the resources, but that's a incredible strength that existing churches, older churches, mature churches have that plants don't have. Yeah, and I think the last one that is really a sweet gift is just the reality of long-term relationships that develop mm. in mm. mature congregations. And we, you know, those of us that have grown up in those types of congregations, we see that. We see the parents' generation, the grandparent generation. We see just the value of people doing life together, not just over a year or two or three, but over decades. And and that they, they really do know one another. They know what's going on in people's lives. And that is something, as we go through life, I mean, we, we need community. We need relationships. We need that. And that is really fostered well in mature congregations. It's just... You know, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. There's a shepherding that takes place there that is, a, that is a great gift. That is a great gift. You know, with those things then, and I think there's more, and I think it's valuable for us to drill down on, on that and just help us be reminded of the value. Because sometimes church planners are accused of ignoring, you know, mature churches and existing churches because we just care about the new ones. It's not the case at all. Like like you said earlier, the both and. But there are some mm. drawbacks and there are some things that, that do arrive and they just sort of are created over time in mature congregations that that can hinder sometimes their ministry, their out, outreach. And, and really the biggest one is just that internal focus and in that in mature congregations, uh, oftentimes rightly so, their significant energy is simply focused on taking care of their members, which is a beautiful thing. That's the, the gospel work of shepherding, right? And so we, we value that pastoral care and those relationships. But oftentimes when that becomes the, the primary thing, then that mission outreach aspect is, is minimized. And I think, I think we can see that. And I think it just happens naturally. I don't think any church sets out for that to take place, but it does happen over, over time. And so then, Matt, how, is that, how does that play out in the life of a, a congregation when that internal focus becomes the main thing? You know, we often, we often are saying, our greatest strengths are also our greatest weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And we could go down maybe these list of kind of four, four strengths that we see and look at the negative of how that's played out. And we can see very easily, you know, how that leads to an unhealthy kind of inward focus. So if a church says, man, we are, we love these long-term relationships that we have. And, um, 
you know, we've had them for decades and decades and decades, a new person comes in the door, they perceive that very quickly. They realize, wow, this small group's been together for 10 years, right? Oh, these people have, you know, they're telling stories about being at each other's, you know, birth stories or weddings or, and a new person coming in will automatically feel like an outsider when you realize that there is these close family relationships. It's like you go over to someone's house for a Thanksgiving dinner or Easter dinner, and it's the family that's all together. You realize very quickly you're the one outsider because of those long-term relationships that have been built. Again, that's a good thing, a beautiful thing we want to have. But the nature of that is that then sometimes it's not quite as hospitable, welcoming for those new people coming in the door. Or even like just an awareness of it. And I think sometimes you can see that. And I've had people that have come into church saying, well, th thanks for talking to me. You greeted us right away. You're, you're engaging conversation. And you hear stories of people going to churches and not a single person talks to them. And so, again, it's not because those churches are, you know, anti that. It's just they're just in their focus and, and they might not even be aware that there are new people or or they're not sure what to do with that. And so I think that's a that's a big thing, just the the hospitality issue. I think sometimes also, and this is just human nature, we can just get in the, just kind of in the funk of being satisfied of just the status quo. We're just, we show up, we do our thing and we leave. And, and I think that can really rob us of that mission, heart and focus and intentionality. And oftentimes what we're going to talk about going forward here is so much of this is related to intentionality. It's not like you're you're trying to be unfriendly. You're not just you're just not being intentional about being hospitable, and, and so uh, there's a there's a certain aspect of just being satisfied, and and with that, then you're just really focused on your own group. That it's just like a silo, right? And you just really focus on your own group, and you're insular, and you're focused on your building and your four walls and all the programs there, and these are all good things. But again, as that becomes the main thing, it really it really does create some problems. And, and just finally, I, you know, I, I, we don't want to be too hard on this because we all know churches that are like this and, and it's so easy to happen. It can even happen within a church plant relatively quick is because of all these things, when the internal programming and all that becomes the main focus, it, it just distracts you. Right. And you don't even vocalize it. You don't vocalize, well, I don't want to reach the out the gospel. Every single church out there that we know is saying, yeah, we want, we want the gospel to go forward. Right. So it's not even vocalized that I'm not interested in reaching a loss. It's just as it just happens through time as you become satisfied, as you become insular and all those things. And, and so as we talk about, you know, mature churches, man, what a gift, right? We we want we want to foster more and more of those. And we could have all these conversations on church revitalization. It really is a, a, a different topic. We're just talking about we want you, a listener, to see your church for the beauty that it is and to be aware of maybe some of the the struggles that have arisen that maybe have arisen passively or not aware of. But as we talk about new congregations now, uh, what are, you know, what are, we, we believe, and there's a lot of studies out there uh, that talk about how church planting is more effective, or you could use that word fruitful, than established churches at reaching new people. And that's really the qualification. We've talked about the good things that mature churches do that are better than church plants, right? But there are some things that church plants do better than mature churches. And that is specifically then to reach new people and unchurched people. There's a lot of denominational studies that have confirmed that, right? So Matt, Matt, speak to that. Speak to that about some of the pros um, and just, yeah, let's get into that. 
Well, I want to quote first uh, a man much wiser than myself, uh, the Reverend Dr. Tim Keller, now in glory um, in our Lord's presence today. But he he wrote this on the importance of and the effectiveness and fruitfulness of new churches. Uh, quote, he says, the vigorous continual planting of new congregations is the single most crucial strategy for, one, the numerical growth of the body of Christ in any city, and two, the continual corporate renewal and revival of the existing churches in a city. Nothing else, not crusades, outreach programs, parachurch ministries, growing megachurch churches, congregational consulting, nor church renewal processes will have the consistent impact of dynamic, mm. extensive church planting. This is an eyebrow-raising statement, but to those who have done any study at all, it is not even controversial, end quote. Such a good quote. So, uh, yeah, it's such a good quote because it just strikes that. He's, he's speaking to the effectiveness and fruitfulness of new churches in a city and uh, the the impact that they have on reviving the existing churches within that city as well. If I can make a comment quick before you go on, I mean, this really ties in with what our previous episodes were about. You know, is, is that we understand what is the congregation? What, why is it such a powerful, life-giving instrument of God? Then this quote makes a lot of sense. It's not it's not mm. these other things, but it's like this is the instrument that God has given as the means of the gospel to go forward, and and that then not only changes people's lives but also then reinvigorates the congregations. So get into then more of the the pros or why existing church. I mean, new churches reach new people. Yeah, well, I, I want to use you know. <laughs> We, we in church planting in any in ministry and anything, especially Americans, we're kind of infatuated with this. But it, but it is an important question. How do we measure success? What is success? What is the goal of ministry? Right? And we would say, well, let's go back to the Great Commission. It is to reach people for Jesus, to see them come to Christ, baptize into Christ, and then to be taught and to grow as disciples of Jesus to obey all that He has commanded. So it's it's very simple. Like it's not an either or. And this we kind of fall into these traps today. These overly reductionistic ways of thinking about the local church. And it's so unnecessary and so unbiblical of what's more important, right? You know, reaching people for Jesus or discipling people. It's like, well, but why do you separate them? Like they're both go hand in hand. And we, in fact, run into really unhealthy expressions of church when we prioritize one of these over the other. So I'm going to say, you know, one of the, one of the, um, <laughs> just kind of real, realities of a church plant, why why they can be so effective and so fruitful in accomplishing both of these things of reaching and discipling people is there is a sh like just desperation. And that can kind of sound kind of bad. And, and in some ways it can only last maybe their first 10 years or so, this like forced desperation that the priority has to be on reaching people. You will be constantly thinking, how are we reaching people, building relationships. How are we being hospitable? How are we putting our focus outward? So we're, there, we're not just focused on our little cell group or the five people who want to start the church, constantly thinking, how are we reaching those outside the walls, sharing Jesus with them and then discipling them in Christ? Uh, so a lot of energy goes into thinking about systems for welcoming and assimilation. And from, you know, could be signage to, well, who's greeting at the front door? How we, how we train them in greeting? How are we following up with those people? How are we onboarding them into the life of our church? As opposed to, well, they visited last Sunday and we just expect them to come back. Though That whole follow-up process. A church plant is going to be far more focused on those things out of sheer desperation. They have to 
they have to do that. So uh, I think that's kind of maybe one of the most basic points of it. But in a established church, often there's not that same uh, hunger (laughs) or desperation to want to reach new people. Yeah, I think I totally agree with that. And I think it's it's a pressure, right? It's just a reality that you want to be motivated by the gospel, but then all of a sudden you just start looking at, well, there was 15 people there at church, or hey, this is what we need to survive. And all, I mean, there's just a massive desperation that just shapes everything. It shapes everything. And it's fun to invite people into that desperation. I, I remember having those conversations a lot early on when someone shows up and they're like, well, I don't know. And it's like, hey, come on in. This is like, Join, join the, join the mission. There's a, there's a hunger. There's a desperation there that, that really is a beautiful thing that I think maybe even in the stage of our plant, it, as we've more matured, it is so easy to make that switch or start really focusing then on that internal thing, which is a good thing too. But uh, without question, new people, new churches reach new people because of this overarching foundation of de- of desperation. Maybe a, a good kind of picture for this is a farmer. If you have a guy who's a farmer, he's got skills as a farmer, he's called to be a farmer, farmer he knows that, and he has a, you know, a thousand acre plot. And he looks at it, he's like, man, it's got to be tilled, it's got to be planted, it's got to be fertilized, it's got, you know, all the stuff that's got to happen to it. He does it. And he, he knows what, exactly what he's got to do. But if there's a farmer who already has a plot and he, you know, he's been doing it for, you know, a hundred years, he might not be thinking as much about like, well, how am I expanding this plot? How am I planting new crops and expanding into new fields? Because he is doing what he's supposed to be doing, right? So it's, this isn't like a, a established churches, again, they're wrong in this or that they're inefficient or ineffective necessarily in that. Um, but just the sheer nature of, of a farmer being sent into like, oh, you got a new thousand acres and you get to go now, you know, uh, farm this land. That's what it is for a church plant. It's like a brand new farm that's being opened up. God's farm, right? God's crop. And Paul uses this language, some plant, some water, but it's the Lord who brings the increase. So it's a very fact of kind of sending out these farmers, <laughs> these missionaries mm-hmm. that are doing, um, being those instruments of God's work, God bringing life into the world. So that may be a helpful kind of picture for yeah, us. Yeah, that's, that's really good. So as we get more into the details here, you know, I, there's a lot of sociological factors here. And I was just thinking very practical on, on new churches and reaching new people. Because as we talked about some of the cons maybe of a mature church, you have this super tight familial relational connection, right? This sort of insular idea. Well, that doesn't exist within new church new churches. And so people come in and they're immediately welcomed in. The reason being, because everybody else is new too, right? Uh, there, there's no long-term relationships that are, that are there. And so there's just automatically uh, just a, a friendliness and a welcomeness that shows up just because everybody's new. They're all trying to figure it out. They're just trying to, to be there for one another. And, and because of that, then, I think this is an interesting factor here, is if our goal is reaching unchurched, dechurched, and underchurched people, and that is part of th- these people, there's going to be a, a built-in sensitivity to outsiders, there's a built-in sensitivity to the to the concerns of outsiders and and just being aware of some of the the threads in our society and just learning how to speak into those and uh, having the right tone with those things but the reality is is that as you develop a group of formerly unchurched dechurched underchurched people most likely their circle of friends the people they hang out with are also the same people 
And, and so they then have a built-in mission field right there for them, where I think over time, as as more and more believers just get into groups and you hear, you hear times, you hear people say, well, I don't even know anyone who is not a believer. Whereas mm-hmm. in new churches, you, you know, most people have unbelieving friends all over the place. And so you just have an entirely different uh, platform to reach the gospel into. And, and so it's really exciting in that way. Yeah. You know, one of the other things that church plants tend to be marked by, and this is kind of a broad statement, but the stats uh, show it, prove it out is that they do tend to be uh, very effective in reaching younger, young families especially. And at, at probably a lot of reasons that we could point to, as we were, we were discussing this a little bit before we started here, like, well, why, why is that? Like, why is it you look at most church plants, and they are marked by, like, you know, young young families. And, you know, some of the reasons that, that researchers have pointed to is that uh, they tend to have younger pastors, right? Churches tend to reflect the age of the pastor and his family 10 years either direction. Not, not that's not always the case, but that is a kind of a truism. Ten years either way. So if your pastor's thirty years old, reaching people down to the twenties, up to the forties, right? Kind of by and large. Uh, and church plants tend to have, you know, generally they don't have seventy or eighty year old pastors. Praise God for those. We need those godly shepherds in our lives and in our churches. Uh, but a church plant, the nature of it is they're probably not going to be in that, that setting. Uh, Another one is maybe similar, but kind of on the other end of the spectrum is a church plant who is starting in a city, a growing city, that um, many people who are maybe, if they're believers, they're probably plugged into a church in that community. And they're less likely to want to leave that church that they're in to join a church that is doesn't have, you know, a building, uh, it's just kind of chaos. Like, I know that's the case for us. we got so many kids running around, like, Literally, we got to like slow the kids down lest they run over, you know, uh, maybe some of the people who are a little bit uh, not as stable on their on their feet. Um, and we had a, an older lady, she was in her 90s, that was the, the mother of one of our, our congregants, a sweet, sweet gal. Um, she's gone on to be with Jesus. And, uh, but she would come to church. And that was one of the big things that like, hey, literally got like 30 little kids running around that are under the age of 10. And that was something we had to talk about. Like, hey, we got to control the kids in the sanctuary for her sake to love her well, because it is so chaotic, right? So this, it's been that's been an interesting conversation in our situation is that young kid energy, recognizing that actually can drive out mm. people who are not in that stage of life, right? And it's not a bad thing, but we have to recognize that if you're not used to having three or four little kids, you know, in that age, just constantly kind of yelling and running, that is very stressful, for someone who is an empty nester and that's 20 years behind them. So that's just kind of a fascinating, again, very practical uh, factor there. Uh, I think one other other reason that it can attract like young, younger families that we have seen is people, I think our generation, especially in our, our church, you know, we, what we've seen, one little example, um, we're probably about 90, 95% millennials, young couples, young families. But there is, what I see is this, this theme of people really wanting to be known in their church, wanting to contribute in their church, wanting to serve in their church, wanting to really be needed and using their gifts in the local body of Christ. And that sometimes can be harder when you're coming into either large churches or established churches because you have people that are already kind of set in those roles and they're not maybe as open to sharing that or maybe they're a little bit leery of trusting new people who are coming into that and they're gonna have to like, you know, earn that respect. 
Um, we're in a new a newer church. It's man, we need every single hand like on deck. So we're constantly like everyone's got to grab an oar. Everyone within a couple of weeks, they're probably serving in some capacity um, within our church, which is just amazing and beautiful. But I think for all those reasons, we do see church plants tend to attract younger uh, younger people and younger families. Yeah, I think that that last aspect is really really key because. You know, sometimes the maybe the reputation of a church plant can be well, it's so pastor centric. You know, the pastor does everything, and and there are certain aspects of truth there. But the reality is, and, and I don't know the exact studies. It would be interesting to do this, but there is a very high percentage of people in church plants that are actively involved because you have to be to your point. And and I think that is a beautiful thing where, you know, I think sometimes churches that are a little bit more mature can. Maybe you are more organized or whatever, but they have a, a fewer percentage of people that have those leadership roles. And we're in church plants. It's just across the board, very, very involved. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. So, you know, there's a lot more things we could talk about here. We need to wrap up pretty quickly here. But the main point we're making here is that, and there's a lot of studies on this, just the reality that new churches reach new people. And, and there's a number of factors, and we're thankful for that. And that's another practical reason why we want to plant churches. It's the gospel and the congregation. But then those things, surprise, surprise, are really effective, right? We're not, we're not saying something new here. We're saying literally what God does through new, new churches. And, and there are some cons with this as, as well. You know, new church, it's, it's really a lot, of, a lot of work. It consumes your life. It's, it's just really hard. It can be costly. It can be burnout, high risk. Sometimes new churches attract unhealthy people, which is a good thing, but then that adds to some of the, the I guess, the difficulty of it all. But mm. I, I guess, and, and maybe we'll do another episode on just some of the, the hard things about church planting, but the main focus here is just helping you as a listener to, to see, man, if we want to reach new people, we, we need to be planting congregations. That is the heart of the gospel yeah. and planting the very thing that God has given us to do, and that is a congregation. Yep. It, well, it seems like, Andy, two, two kind of upshots of this, like practical applications is one, is perhaps there's a church, a larger church, um, that they're kind of wondering like, hey, what, what does it look like for us? Like maybe it means you send 30, 20 people, 30 people, 40 people to plant another church in your community to carry out that goal, right? That's not you kind of like offloading the responsibility, it's you actually multiplying yourself yeah. and using the gifts God has given you to to create another one of these, you know, missionary outposts in your community, or perhaps it's to, you know, plant in a whole nother city, right? To send, send a pastor to support a church plant, um, in a whole nother community, kind of open up a whole new beachfront, if you will, of, uh, you know, planting a free Lutheran church in a new city that doesn't, doesn't have one. So to me, these are like two very practical, uh, applications of that of, okay, we know it's effective. Well then let's get, let's be about that business. Yeah, Why for sure. New congregations, because it's just really effective at carrying out the Great Commission. So let's be about that business. Yeah, that's great. Well, that's all we got for today. Thank you for joining us. If you're interested in exploring church planting within the Free Lutheran Church, we'd love to visit with you. Contact us at aflchomemissions.org. Subscribe to this podcast. Again, we're just thankful that you spent time with us today. 